Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jed Hoyer, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Okay. I, how did we get here? How did we get to that day of trading everybody? Well, I mean, you know, listen, I, I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of, I think with this group, you know, and, and I, when I say me, I think it's obviously, and, you know, Theo and an, an entire team of people, but listen, I think we built up um, a young team, um, you know, really from scratch starting in 2011. And we, we built up a group that really redefined what the Cubs are. You know, we, you know, went from celebrating back-to-back winning seasons or, you know, celebrating making the playoffs and losing the first round to, you know, um, making the playoffs five out of six years, you know, three NLCSs, winning a World Series title, and having fans that were really disappointed when we lost in the first round, as it should be. And I think that um, that's sort of the, the, the legacy of this group is that I think we sort of redefine what it is to be the Cubs. You know, ultimately – you know, we had reached a point with all these players where we had two months left. You know, I think that, you know, you, with, with uh, major league players, you have, you know, usually seven years of control. And we are at the end of those two months. Uh, we sort of gave this team a chance to win this year. And obviously I was hoping to be on the buy side of the transaction had we uh, played well enough, but we didn't. We had a 11 game losing streak. And, you know, with that, I think it was very clear that, you know, given we had these expiring contracts. It was sort of time to, to reset this organization from a, a young talent standpoint. And it was time to, you know, really um, kind of move forward. And, you know, we didn't close the door on anything with those players going forward, but to have them on our roster for two months while we're in fourth place, didn't seem like the right thing to do strategically. And, you know, we moved forward you know, decisively to try to, to make sure we could acquire as much young talent for the future as possible. Jed, it did seem like a bit of a roller coaster in a way, especially coming from the personnel side of it. And you have talked to us about how the landscape changed for you and the team. But the U Darvish trade somewhat reminding us always in the background of the direction that he was possibly headed in. And then we see the decisions that were made with Lester and with Schwarber. And then we see what happens at the beginning of the season. Month to month, performances were different. And then now we see the ultimate culmination of all of that when it came to the performance and then the tone that was set initially with this trade deadline. What was the thought process moving forward after the Darvish trade and then reevaluating and then knowing perhaps that had to be the direction all along? Sure. Well, I think, you know, first of all, I would say that, you know, 
a lot of things this winter, you know, we're on the sort of backdrop of COVID. It was very unclear, you know, to everyone, you know, what, you know, when we'd be at full capacity, what our payroll would be. And I think that, you know, with these um, players that have, you know, have had great careers here, I think every year they get more and more expensive. So we sort of had a kind of a big, you know, kind of a, a roster with, with big bones and, and we were trying to, you do what we could to, to win with this group, but also knowing that, you know, given where we were financially, it wasn't a, a group, we couldn't, you know, make you know, huge investments in, you know, with this group. So, you know, we knew we had to thread the needle a little bit going into the season. You know, we tried to make a number of late um, acquisitions to try to supplement the group. And I think for a, for, a, for a time, I think that worked, you know, we had a really good May, early June, but ultimately, um, you know, the team struggled. And, you know, we struggled from a, from a starting pitching standpoint, but we also, we have to be honest. We also really struggled from an offensive standpoint. And I think that, um, you know, this group as, as talented as they were, you know, um, we, you know, Theo kind of described it in 2018 that we you know, broke offensively. Um, that was with this group of players. I think that in, in 19 and 20 and 21, we saw the same thing that um, we had a, a really remarkable collection of, of individual talents, but, as a group, um, it didn't it didn't add up to being the offense that we thought, and frankly, the performances were were not excellent. And so, I think as a result, we we were left with an offense that you know was expensive, was talented, uh, had great history, but this offense as a group uh, certainly was not an elite offense by by any means. And I think that you know that with you know with a, a starting pitching staff that you know, that, that obviously wasn't able to get deep in games really kind of, kind of, you know, set the, set the, uh, you know, set the course for what this team would be, you know, the bullpen kept us in the, in the race for a while with incredible performances, but that wasn't enough. And once we had the 11 game losing streak and once Milwaukee took off, it felt like the, you know, the, like I said, the clear right thing to do uh, was um, to really focus on the future at the deadline. You mentioned you weren't going to make a large investment in, in, in this group under these circumstances. And there's a quote here, um, and I saw this recently in, in The Athletic, and I'm going to read the, the quote to you. This is uh, Tom Ricketts talking about, uh, the in June, talking about the free agents-to-be and the decisions that were to be made. He said, I leave those decisions 100% up to Jed. I feel I have such great relationships with those guys, but you really have to leave it up to Jed. It's really his decision on how he's going to build this team going forward. You know, I have never interjected myself in those conversations. If it comes down in large part to budget, how can that be true? Well, I think to to be clear, what I said before was this winter, we did not have the ability to go out on a free agent market and make significant investments. So, that was what I said. That was going back to this winter. If you're talking about individual players, Tom's 100 percent right that you know when when it comes to you know you know signing guys to extensions or what what to do, he's he's an incredible owner to work for because he doesn't interject himself. He lets us make the right decision baseball wise. So I don't you know I think I don't want to twist my words. You know this winter we were not in a position, given that we had all these guys that were five pluses at the end of our deal at the deals, we were not in a position to to go out and make significant investments in free agency. That's, that's a fact. Did you think there would be at least one extension agreed to? And why, why did we have just nothing but, but crickets when it came to extension talks? Yeah, I think that's always going to be my great frustration. Um, 
But at the same time, I say that, um, you know, I put my my head on the pillow every night, knowing that we did everything we could to to extend these guys. Um, you know, I think that as I said the day after the or, or right after the trade deadline, you know, that I think the offers that we made will stand up exceptionally well historically. Um, I don't know why we weren't able to reach extensions. Um, we sort of put ourselves out there to do that, and ultimately, um, you know, obviously, you know those players didn't feel like that the offers we made um, were good enough. And I think that's, that's the bottom line, but um, do I feel like they, those things will hold up incredibly well historically? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm proud of that, you know, that, you know, we did put ourselves out there. We did try to extend, um, and frankly, every member of the core, whether it's the people that we traded on, um, on Friday or whether it's the people that have, have left previously, um, we've always made it, you know, uh, tried to extend these guys, made overtures to extend them, been aggressive in our mind. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't reciprocated. And that's something that did uh, sort of lead to what happened on Friday that we were not able to reach those kind of extensions. So was there more to it than what we saw perhaps in the public, whether it be statements from Anthony Rizzo saying, I'm not going to talk about this during the season or the rumors that we hear about various extensions before this that have been leaked to the media, but not a lot of it during the season as to what you just alluded to. Yeah. And part of why I, I'm speaking somewhat cryptically is like, you know, through all of this, um, you know, these are pa- players that I really care about deeply. These are friends of mine. You know, these are you know, people we've known. I've known Anthony for, almost 15 years with three organizations, you know, I've, I've sort of watched Javi grow up, you know, we've known Chris since we, you know, met with him in college to, to draft him. And, and so, and, and, and that, and there's far, far more players be, beyond that. And so, you know, I don't ever, I don't feel comfortable talking about, you know, contract negotiations in, in the public sphere because, you know, I'm not trying to, to win that PR battle. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to, you know, do, ever say anything that would be derogatory. I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think these are these are players who are who are, are iconic Chicago Cubs. Um, they did something that no one believed was was possible in the city, and they deserve to be legends. And, and I'm not here to sort of sit there and, and, and make comments about it and or and talk about what was talked about with extensions behind closed doors. That's just inappropriate. And I think I've said that over and over that we wouldn't talk about it. But at the same time. I also think it's really important to, you know, kind of debunk the notion that we did not want to to extend these players and that we didn't try hard to do so. And I think that's, it's really important. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about individual negotiations or what was said or who we talked to, but as a group, that was something we tried hard. And I know, you know, speaking somewhat for Theo and for me, it was, it was always a source of frustration that we weren't able to get any of those across the finish line other than, than Kyle Hendricks, who, um, you know, really respect the fact that, you know, he kind of rolled up his sleeves with us and we got to a deal that, that we felt like made sense for both sides. And I think you touch on an emotional piece of this that the fans are certainly reeling from as well. And that's part of the burden of having that success is the emotional attachment that fans had to this core of players and what they meant to them and the goodbyes that maybe weren't said as far as watching them preparing for this last moments that we just saw how everything happened in 24 hours, what is your message to the fans who are still grieving this as well? Um, 
I guess I would say I feel the same way, you know, I mean, like I said before, not to repeat myself, but you know, these are players that I've watched grow up and have known for a long time. You know, these are players that my kids have their jerseys up on the wall and, you know, I had to sit down and explain these decisions to my own kids who are Cubs fans and, and who feel that way. Um, ultimately, my job um, is to build the next great Cubs team. I've, I've felt that all along that we, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, have, you know, can't, um, you know, be, you know, be satisfied with sort of, you know, being a little bit above mediocrity. We can't be satisfied with just making the playoffs that, you know, the thrill that we, that we had in 15 and 16 and 17 is what we have to build again. And, you know, that's, that's my entire focus and that's our, that's our staff focus. And so um, we made some really difficult decisions. Um, I don't think we closed any doors to anyone, but we made some difficult decisions, you know, to really make sure that the future of this organization was bright. And I do believe that, you know, to me, there's some really cautionary tales of organizations that weren't willing to do that. Um, I always use the Giants and the Tigers and the Phillies as the example of organizations that had these great runs um, who had a, a core group of players that were sort of icons in their own cities. And they, you know, held on to those, those players, you know, uh, they weren't, they were willing to, they kind of ran to the end of the cliff and off the cliff when it came to their, the service time. And they had five years in a row of, of really being, um, you know, really bad teams because they did that. And that was something that uh, as a group, we were committed um, to not doing, you know, if we could reach extensions that, that made sense for us, we would have done that. But when we couldn't do that, you know, ultimately we made a decision to not be those organizations and to make sure that for the Cubs fans, that we were good again, you know, quickly and not, don't, not having these, this five-year, um, you know, period of being a bad team because you weren't willing to make some hard decisions with some players that had won for you. This doesn't look like quickly though, as we're looking at, at the actual return. Now that we're, we have some distance from it, the overall haul that you got for some of these rental fees, I mean, this. How, do you know? Do you have a better idea of how many years away you are from the, from maybe spending again and and competing again at a similar level? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say, like, you know, I think we were incredibly proud as a group of the returns we were able to get. I mean, these were, you know, the rental uh, position player market is a difficult market. Um, you know, I think with the with given the uh, what you know the players that we were you know trying to trade, I think I think our returns were excellent. I'm really proud of our group for you know, the players we were able to get for them. And the, the honest thing is, you know, um, you know, when you say it doesn't look quick, you know, that to me is very unclear. Um, people expect a declaration of when we are going to be good, and the honest answer is I don't know yet because I think part of it is trying to figure out you know. What does the next CBA look like? Mm-hmm. What do the free agent markets look like going forward? How quickly do these players develop? Um, you know, I think that, I think the idea that we have exact that we know exactly what the puzzle looks like right now, we don't. But I will tell you that you know I'm I'm very confident that it's not going to look anything like it looked uh, in 2012 and 13. That's not what we're looking at. That's not what we're going for. Um, but as far as the returns we got and what we've what we've been able to add to our minor league system over the last year. I think I'm incredibly proud of the way we've been able to reset things. And it's really important. You know, we poured so many resources into, into building this, this, this team. You know, we, we traded so many prospects to supplement this core group um, that you guys have talked about so much on this call. We, 
we poured so many, you know, we went over the luxury tax twice and we poured so many, you know, financial resources into this group in order to try to win. And at some point you have to, you know, you have to step back and say, okay, you know, we need to make sure we're healthy as an organization from a, um, from a financial standpoint, we have to make sure we're healthy as an organization from a prospect currency standpoint, because we weren't, uh, over the last couple of years, we had, you know, really emptied the farm system. We had really gotten to the place where we had, we had, you know, such expensive players on our roster that we weren't able to supplement them. And so, um, you know, the healthiest we ever were as an organization was in 2015. You know, we had incredible financial flexibility and we had incredible talent. And, you know, that to me, there's a reason we went on a, a run of making the playoffs five out of six years. We got to that point. And, you know, I think that getting to that point again uh, is really important. And, you know, team building is not easy. I think that it's complicated, but I think getting back to that place is the goal. And once we get that back to that place, then we can build the next great Cubs team that can, you know, that can go to the playoffs five out of six years and can win a World Series. I think you touched on a lot of things there that are also embodied in the what I think outside of the Scherzer deal was the biggest trade of the deadline, and that was Craig Kimbrell. There's a diversification of the lineup piece there next year with a healthy Nick Madrigal. You get pitching and Cody Hoyer. It's a trade that Chicago fans are, of course, paying attention to because it involves everybody in the town who cares about baseball. And it's one where you had just made a trade involving Ryan Tapera the day before. What can you tell us about how that developed? Because... I for sure thought after making one deal across town, there wouldn't be another the next day. Yeah, that's fair. And I would say, listen, I, I could not respect any more what, um, what Rick and, and Kenny and, and those guys are willing to do. I mean, I think that they, you know, they know they're a really good team. Um, they have a great team with a ton of talent uh, in part because they were, ma- they were willing to make some really tough decisions um, to build this team. And uh, they've done a great job building this team, and they know that um, it's time to step on the gas and, and really try to win. And I couldn't respect that anymore. Uh, we, we had a lot of different conversations uh, over the probably two weeks before the deadline. Uh, Rick and I talked a lot. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of unusual that we made two different trades. Um, but, you know, I think for the, from, from the Cubs' standpoint, uh, we were excited about all the players we got back in return. And obviously, from the White Sox standpoint, um, they've built a, a bullpen that's just incredible. Uh, and I give them a lot of respect for it. So um, obviously crosstown deals are difficult. Uh, you know, I think both sides have know that sort of going in that there's a, probably an extra level of scrutiny. Um, but in the end, they were simply the, the most aggressive team uh, to get those deals done. And, um, you know, I, I look at it like my responsibility is hundred percent to the Cubs to, to acquire the most talent we can. And um, I feel like we did that. But like I said, I give them a lot of credit for being so aggressive. My first thought was that Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner are, are sort of similar players in being pretty much their, their best spot is second base, higher contact, a little less pop. Can those guys coexist? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think Nick um, is a really good second baseman. Obviously, I think when you have a guy that's hit almost 320 in his in his big league career, you know, to date, I think that he, he brings some uh, a skill set that's just so hard to find in today's game, and you know, frankly, a skill set that we, you know, have really lacked uh, as a group. I think that you know we struggle with batting average, we struggle with contact, um, and so he does a lot of things that we really like, and he's you know a high energy player. I think Nico has has more versatility uh, defensively than Nick, uh, just with his athleticism. Um, 
But I think I think it's really nice to have two high high contact, high energy players um, on the roster going forward. And I think that you know uh, they're, they're two nice pieces to build around in a game where contact is is becoming harder and harder to find. I think those guys can can really complement each other well. And I don't think uh, yeah, there, there is some positional overlap, but I do think Nico's. Um, versatility kind of kind of eliminates that as a problem appreciate you being generous with your time today one one last thing when you talked about telling your kids and explaining things to your kids what was the hardest thing for you to tell to explain to them or what as you heard yourself saying it maybe maybe hurt more than something else uh, that's a good question you know i think um you know the hard i think the hardest thing if, if I'm being really honest for me was that, you know, I think, um, you know, I've known Anthony for so long, you know, we've been through so much together. And I think that, you know, I think, you know, he, you know, listen, I, I, I made a really, um, you know, significant and bold trade, um, when I traded Adrian Gonzalez, um, to the Red Sox. And, you know, when I think back on that deal, that was really the first trade of my career where, you know, I, I knew that that was aggressive. You know, this is a guy that you know, we didn't have the financial ability to sign him long term, um, but he was an icon in San Diego. He's from San Diego. He would put up huge numbers every year. And you know, Anthony, you know, you know, really made me look incredibly good in that trade. You know, and um, you know, could not. And then obviously we came to Chicago and we traded for him again. And he, he, you know, he made us look incredibly good. And you know, this is a guy that I've spent so much time with over the years um, that, you know, I mean, he knows my kids well. He, um, you know, we've sat in many hotels talking about the team and, and, and how to make the team better. We've had you know, so many moments together um, with three different organizations. Um, and at no, at every single turn, he's always, um, always been the, you know, the consummate professional. He's always, um, you know, done, done the right thing and been incredibly gracious with his time. And, and so I think, I think from a personal standpoint, obviously, you know, I think given, you know, sort of given my relationship with him and given, you know, the fact, again, the fact that, you know, like my kids have sort of grown up around him and knowing him, I think that was really hard. And so, so I think, you know, explaining, you know, sort of explaining that, you know, that, you know, that decision I think was, was the hardest. And, and listen, I think that, um, I understand across the city, you know, uh, understanding that these are players that, you know, that they've grown up watching and and they've loved. And I understand that that's incredibly difficult. Um, I I guess I bear the burden of having to make the decisions I feel like are best for this franchise, this organization. You know, that's, that's the burden I have and and I have to do that. Um, But I want to make sure, you know, my kids know, and then, I go through that, that the fans know, you know, this isn't something that I don't do. I do without emotion. It's not something I do, you know, you know, um, cold heartedly. This is, it's really difficult. And, you know, sometimes in in these jobs, you have to make really difficult decisions. And and that was, you know, one of the hardest I've ever had to make. Jed Hoyer, thanks again for uh, spending some time with us today. I know these are, these are, um, some difficult times from which uh, we can only hope that, uh, something, competitive uh, emerges sooner rather than later. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It will. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.